Hobby Lobby recently. <laughs> and um, I have not. <laughs> while I was there, um, I actually I kept getting drawn to this book called The Four Wills of God by Emerson Egerich. And um, Emerson Egerich is best known for the book um, Love and Respect. I don't know if anyone, I know many, 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 many years ago. Um, well, David Nand recently taught on that, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah they redid it. Um, we haven't, I don't remember the last time we did a book book study. It's been a while. Um, you know, but as we started reading this book, um, we desired to patch, pass on the riches of yeah. the information. Um, so when you guys hear the four wills of God, what's or, your... Or when you think of the will of God, what do you think of? You said will? Yeah. W-I-L-L. -L. Oh, I thought it was wheels. No. Nope. Will. Not wheel, not pill. <laughs> what, what, when you hear the phrase will of God, what do you think of? Brian. Well, when, I, when I hear it, I, that all men shall be saved. That's what I think okay. about when I hear the will of God. That's what I believe His will is at all. Okay, very cool. What else? His purpose. His purpose for what? Because there's a purpose for what. So His purpose for what? To save us. To save us. His purpose for? His glory. His glory. I'm going to keep pointing to you until you finish swallowing. <laughs> and what I'm trying to get at is his purpose for your life, his purpose for your marriage, or his purpose for mankind in general? All of it? All of it? Okay. He's horrible. I apologize for him putting... He's sick today. Oh, there's no excuse. I, I apologize. I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, so anyone else? When we think of the four wills of God or the will of God in general, what do you think of? I'm kind of choking on this thing because I'm not getting it right, but there's that scripture about God's, God's good and perfect and something will, uh -huh. uh, and a lot of people take that as different. Well, there's this better and then there's that and so on and so forth. Oh, and interesting. I'm kind of taking that as, no, it's all describing his will. It's not okay. different types of his will. Okay. That's All right. Has any, uh, we came up with some synonyms. God's will, when, because when I think of God's will, and I hear various people talk and, and share, I hear the, these phrases, God is telling me. Or, I think this is a sign. I think this is a sign. Like, you know, we saw a license plate for, it was Jackie in the car. We saw a license plate for Alberta. Some people would take that as, maybe I should move to Calgary. <laughs> okay, I don't know about you guys, but there was a time in my life where I said, hey, I have no problem. God, here's the paper. Write for me what I'm supposed to go. As long as you light it with neon lights and stuff like that, I'm okay. I'll work. I'll walk in your will. And anyone ever say do something similar to that? Okay, you know it's like yeah. I just want to know what it is, and as long as you line up like the airplanes, you know, with the lights on the side, tells me where the exit is. I mean, United got that is. right. You think God could do it? it <laughs> <laughs> you think? Maybe. Maybe. How many of us have been there? I, I know I have. It's like, you know, just write it out. You know, just engrave whatever you want me to do on tablets. I promise I won't break them. And I promise I'll do my best to follow them. What? I love you. You're pretty. I love you. I'm pretty. Wow, that just took a turn. My husband's in his element today, which is really bad because he drives a BMW. <laughs> oh, well okay. played. Think right, about can it. we focus? Can we focus? focus? We have to be careful, though, because oftentimes we can see God's will for our desires when God's will actually isn't there. And we can claim God's will to justify what we've wanted to do all along anyway. 
explain yourself, please, sir. Well, Pastor John was talking about faith at work, right? And he's talking about our jobs. How many of us have, man, I think God has shown me a sign to leave this ugly, forsaken place and get away from all these miserable people. When in fact, maybe God has put us in that position or God has allowed us or allowed those people to be so miserable to help transform us, to transform our character. Because keep in mind, our character will never grow. Our character will never get better unless it is pushed and stressed. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials and tribulations of many kinds. It develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, that we may be mature and complete, lacking no good thing. Let me ask you another question. If we're following God's will, does that mean life is going to be hunky-dory? No. Usually the opposite. Wow, usually the opposite? Yeah. Okay. Johnny? It depends on our reaction to what comes, our responses to, to the things that come, uh, and understanding that, I think Ron just said it, our, our character is only going to be growing more when it's stretched and pulled on, and, and responding, because I'm learning that, that there's satisfaction in, though, no matter what comes, is that I stay the course. And what I mean by that is still focus on what God would have me to do in that and not so much give that situation all of that attention that I should be giving to the point to where even though it's there, I'm going. Okay. So my next question to that is how do we know when we're walking in the will of God? Because if we know that the response might not be all roses and, and chocolates and rainbows. Okay. Find a way to be in despite the troubles or tribulations or So we know we're in the will of God if we have peace? I believe so. Okay. What if we don't have peace? What if we anguish over what's going on? The Holy Spirit provide us discernment and then asking God, if that's your will for me to be in this mess, guide me, tell me how you want me to deal with this. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, also, when we decide something, we believe that we are in God's will, We, if we are not preparing people <coughs> around us, maybe it's not that will. So if we are putting ourselves first than others, Maybe it's not that good. We need to consider the other yeah. um, benefits too. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I was praying with someone recently, and um, we were talking about both of us have friends that can't can't understand God because of all the suffering in the world. You know, basically, God can't be a good God if there's so much suffering. And it was a new thought to me. If God's not a good God, then why did he himself suffer the way that he suffered? When I read about the garden experience and the way that Christ agonized, and it's like, come on, guys, stay awake, you know, um, I don't see that he has peace, which is one of the reasons why I asked that question. I didn't see that he had peace. Um, sweating blood. That's not peaceful. That's not peaceful. I mean, pretty darn anguished. Um, and yet, he said, not my will, your will. And I think a key component of that, which we'll discover as well later, is, yeah, he wasn't looking <coughs> to his own interests, but he was looking to the interests of his father, which, of course, was all of us. Yeah, and I think that's the part because oftentimes we measure whether or not we're walking in God's will by whether or not things are going well, by our circumstances. You know, Gina and I have worked with a lot of couples, right? Yeah, I think I married the wrong person. 
No, you married a person you married. What's wrong is the way you two are relating with one another and, and confused that as soon as you make it. And here's here's what we shared with one couple. Before they got married, God shared with her, do not marry him. Do not marry him. Do not marry him. Do not marry him. She recalls that. What do you think she did? Married him. As soon as she said, I do, that man became God's plan A for her life. God is willing to work with our decisions, but we have to be willing to allow our character to be adjusted so that we can fit into that plane. Whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's marriages, whatever it is. We find ourselves looking at our circumstances and saying, you know, that's too tough. That can't be the will of God. When, in fact, God is permitting that stuff, why do you think Romans 8, 28 to 8, 29 exists? So that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Is there tragedy that strikes? Yes. It's a result of a fallen and sinful world, which is why Christ came to die for us, to redeem that world. And he's redeeming it now, even as we speak. Because if he's not, nobody would be here. This is God's redemptive power in action right now. We don't have to wait to the second coming of Jerusalem. It's at work right now in our lives. It is his will, because it's written in there, that we all be reborn and reclothed. We are. We're just not walking in it. God has spoken so much truth over our lives. But we fail to believe it for ourselves. Sorry. Or we don't ask. Or we don't ask. I think a really key component in understanding his will is knowing his voice. Whether it's direct download in scriptures through trusted friends, you know, God is always talking. When we're not listening, we can make up whatever we think His will is. David? So are you saying then that following God's will is in every step of decision? In the idea of to use the example you mentioned first with Gal that remember being feeling don't marry this guy she married him okay now you're that's plan a for your life now um, so instead of the lightning bolt that says you are going to be this in 10 years or when you grow up or whatever it's an every step thing yeah it's not it it's not going to be a yellow brick road that you use that example um, it's going to be a what decision do you make in this step okay you made that choice so now my will is over here you made this choice oh well now you're still on my perfect path if that perfect path exists in our mind well what we're going to find is in part that's correct because in part we're going to be talking about four wills and Emer Emerson Egrich points these out as because they are the four scriptures that say this is God's will. It is God's will. Okay. He, he proposes that as we follow those four wills and as we follow them and as we uh, uh, follow them from the heart, what we're going to discover is a whole lot of freedom in our other choices. And God being there in, those, in that freedom of choices. So what he's saying is if we follow these, when we come to a fork in a road, and we ask God, which way do we go? He's going to ask us this question. Which way would you like to go? God, which job should I take? I have two good offers. Which job would you like? But oftentimes we are looking at God for that very next step. And, and he's, he's, not, he's not wanting to bind us up like that. So that if we're practicing... These four wills, along with other things from the depths of our heart, we're going to find a lot of freedom in making those choices. So, good stop. Good stop. Ron, I have a comment. It was just a, uh, 
also a fault. I would say that God's will for our lives can come in at any point in our lives. It wasn't God's will for me to go through all that I went through to get to know him. I don't think so. God didn't plan that out in advance. Yes. But he came in when I asked one and I surrendered. So, I mean, I didn't have to go to prison and all those things to get to know God. I did, and he was still there to come in and allow him, and I surrendered my will to his, and his began. So, it's not that it's a road map, like Paul was saying, you know. It's that, and I think Dave was saying that every step, you know, when when I choose to not override his will with my will, then his will can go. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put another thing over that, okay. I agree completely. Um, you didn't have to go through all of the things that you went through. And at the same time, what was God's will that none should perish? So God's will was still working in your life and in every one of those circumstances. His will was still working on drawing you near. Whether you were born from a babe, you know, with a Bible in your lap and and good Christian godly parents that really showed love and, and grace and mercy as well as or you were out on the streets and were abused and abandoned and God's will was still the same there's 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 God's ultimate will and the direction where this person can go and reach others is very different than the person here that could reach because there's no way Sometimes you guys speak different languages, you know, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, of course. Yes, that's exactly what you're saying. It's just like Paul and he was Saul, and he could have been called as one of the disciples, mm-hmm. but God didn't make that choice. God waited and gave him a separate calling for a separate purpose, and look at what Paul gave us because he wasn't one of the original twelve. He became the one. That, that then reached out and gave us all of the, most of the New Testament. And so, yes, we are called, each of us, for our own purpose in God's will. And what's ironic, had Paul been called with the original 12, Paul was the most qualified of anybody in the original 12 to actually speak to the Jewish people. But Paul was called to the Gentiles. The Gentiles may have never been reached had Paul been called in with the original 12. John spoke to the Jews. Yeah. John and Peter. Sue. I keep thinking, so we're talking about God's will, I keep thinking of people in the Bible like um, Solomon. He started out, he was, you know, surrendered to God. Mm-hmm. When God asked him what he wanted, he didn't say things for himself. He wanted, you know, he had a really good heart and wanted wisdom and everything. But then through his life, he kind of detoured. And then, like David, you know, he totally detoured, but then came back. And so, I mean, that example shows me that I'm never too far to Mm -hmm. come back. That, I mean, I can royally screwed. I mean, that's how I look at David, is that he royally screwed up. Or he screwed up in his royalty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he, you know, in the New Testament, he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, that just blows me away, because, like, he's a murderer, a vulture, and they don't talk about that in the New Testament. David was a choice away from sinning, and he was a choice away from coming back, and he made the choice to come back. Solomon was a choice away from sinning, which he did. He was a choice away from coming back, which he really never did. 
And so, and I, and I appreciate it because in each of those instances, I believe that God broke David's heart more and more. Because David even spoke in one of the Psalms, it's, you don't want animal sacrifices. And this was in the days of animal sacrifices, folks. You don't want animal sacrifices. What you want is a broken and contrite heart. That's what God considers a true sacrifice. It's in Hosea 2, where he talks about that. And, and this is where that, that, and I don't know, because we didn't talk about this particular thing that I'm going to mention. I don't believe we can actually follow the full will of God unless we do so with a broken heart. Unless we realize that it cost God everything in that garden in the form of his son Jesus. In order that we can even be positioned to walk in God's will. I mean, before Christ, God's will took place on Ten Commandments. Okay? And it was proven by Jesus' words that none of us could follow all of them. We might have been able to follow one, you know, but it's like, okay, thou shalt not kill. Well, I tell you, even if you think you've murdered, all right, even if you think you've already committed adultery, all right, so none of us, God's will, easy, ten steps, just follow these. Not so easy. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about four wills, and we're going to give them to you in or, to you to you in the order in which they are in Scripture, not necessarily the order we're going to cover them in. And again, this is going to be on uh, on our podcast. I almost said webinar, but it's going to be on a podcast. You want to go ahead and read those. So the first is belief in Jesus Christ, John six forty. For it is, it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him shall have eternal life. You've got to abstain from sexual sin. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Give thanks in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And submit in doing right, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives, marked by submission, should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So again, those are four scriptures in which it, they were clearly set out as God's will or Father's will. Okay, so again, the scriptures for those who are writing them down, John 6, 40, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15. You're welcome. And one of the things that I learned, Pastor Fred taught me this. He said, when you're trying to remember a verse that somebody just said, Remember the last part of it. Because that's the most difficult part to remember. The numbers. So write down the numbers first and then go back and fill in that book. Okay. Last one was 13 through 15. 15. Okay. So these four, which are fairly easy, right? Believe in Jesus Christ, abstain from sexual sin, give thanks in everything, submit in doing right. Easy, right? No, I don't think they're so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks they're easy? Yeah, thank you. I'm in agreement with you guys. I don't think it's easy either. I work by myself, and it's not easy on my job, so. I'll stop. <laughs> Sorry, you're a comedian today. Okay, so these four. We're going to explore each one in a little bit more depth at later weeks. But when you look at it, do you see them as enlightening? When we just break them down to four, believe in Jesus, abstain from sexual sin, give thanks, and submit in doing right? I think it's interesting what's not there. What's not there? Do not murder. 
Oh, but that's there, submit and doing right. Well, but then why is abstain from sexual sin there? Because that could also be in number four. It could be. I think it's interesting that the, the way that is. And I'm also going to say, is all is all murder wrong? Especially when God tells the Israelites, go and wipe out the entire city of Jericho, every man, woman, and child. But it's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. So, I mean, it's it's... We can drive ourselves crazy and make it a real philosophical yeah. thing. Yeah. So we're going to stop that there because we're not going to go, you know, around and around in these circles. But we'll um, touch upon that issue later on in the series. We will touch upon that issue. Okay. So the, the thing that we want to point out, though, is these aren't a religious formula. That's what the Pharisees did. And that's why so many rules existed for the Pharisees beyond the Ten Commandments. I mean, Jesus doesn't work with formulas. And I'm really glad that he doesn't because Jesus knows our hearts so well that he knew that if he healed the blind people all the same way, churches later on in the 20th century and 21st century would have platforms of mud where they would have ushers spitting in the mud and putting the mud on people's eyes because God knew we would work in formulas. So he didn't do the same thing twice the same way. So these aren't a religious formula. And they can't be. Uh Anyone here the same as anyone else in the room? Is anyone similar to someone else in the room? Okay. I mean, the wonderful thing about human beings is we're all created in God's image. And every single one of us have something in similar with someone else. And yet we're all very different. And what works for you isn't going to work for me. You know, there's a lot of people that get frustrated because I don't know technical words for things. You know, I'm like, you know, well, yeah, the thingamajiggy over there that looks like, you know. Oh, got it. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, that's how I talk. And there's a lot of people that find comfort in that because they understand that. They, what, you know, they talk with the big words and I don't understand the big words. Well, good. I don't either. Okay. So there's people that find comfort. Ron has very high level of smarts, and he talks in the big words, all right? And I appreciate that because he reaches people that I can. He's got the exactness. He's, he's able to quote where the scriptures are from. I can tell you globally kind of where they are and what they mean, all right? And I have my concordance if you really need to know to look up exactly what verse. But if I have him with me, he knows what verse I'm talking about, and he can quote the address. And for a long time, I used to think, that makes me bad. That makes me, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be a, you know, qualified, trained woman of God. All right? And I, it's and like, you are. verses that I had memorized for years, I don't know anymore. I forget, you know? <laughs> but, it's, but see, that's it. That's it, is that we're all, we're all human. But in our humanness and in our uniqueness and in our similarities, we need to understand, yeah, that the will of God and the manner in which we communicate is going to be as varied as we are. You know, there's a, um, I don't know, commercials or something now for, for makeup, um, and they found over 40, 50, 60 different types of skin, um, what do they call it, the foundations, the the coverings, the shades, yeah, different shades, you know. And so, no, isn't there just black, white, yellow, and green, you know? It's <laughs> right. Red and yellow, black and white. Yeah. We are precious in his sight. Okay. Nice. Wow. All right. But it's, you know, and when we look at that, though, God's will for us is the same how he's going to direct that will, how he's going to show us that will, how we're going to live out that will is going to be as varied as everyone else yeah. in the room. Yeah. And, you know, and it goes back to, again, this being a heart issue. I used to treat my devotional life as a checkbox. Ooh, got that done. Got those three chapters read. 
got those prayers said, I'm good for today. It's not a checklist. I like one of the first teachings we ever heard from Joe and Leona was, are, are, do you have devotions or are you living a devoted life? Because there's a huge difference. Do you have devotions or are you leading a devote, devoted life? And they challenged everybody with that. And this is what this is. Following these four wills and then what comes from that, it's all part of living a devoted life. It's not, okay, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I'm good. Well, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, so God, you better. Oh. <laughs> or, I'm not going to say that, but I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Well, how many of, uh, oh, let's be honest. How many have done that with our spouses? How many of us, man, if I do this, I do this, I do this, then I can get this. Gene, I'm going to buy you a brand new car. Maybe I'll get that TV now. When we talk about negotiations in marriage, and when we, that's why I don't, I, I understand the concept of compromise, but I don't, I see that from a very business-oriented position, and so I hate using that term in a marriage relationship. I understand that there is, you know, people say, well, there's got to be give and take, right? I said, no, there's just give and give. Give and give. Because the moment we start taking something, we're manipulating that relationship. It's give and give. It's not give and take. Hopefully both people are on that same page. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're not. But does that remove us from the obligation to give? Because how many people were on the same page with Jesus in the garden? His disciples were asleep. How many people were on the same page with Paul? How many people were on the same page with John? How many people were on, you know, it's, it's, we're always going to face opposition. It's what do we do? I, we just had that conversation um, before class. You know, it's, it's life is um, 90, 10% what happens to us, 90% of how we respond. You know, and God cares about our response. He does going to sound callous. I don't think God cares as much about what happens to us as how we respond to it. Okay, that's so much easier than said. And I don't know who said it, but how many of us believe that our response is something that we can control? Okay, yeah. and how easy is it to control it? <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said, it's difficult. You're right. Our response is the only thing we can control. I think it was Chuck Swindoll. I think you're right. I think you're right. I knew it was some big pillar of God. Um, you know, and, and I just, I also think of how many times where, from my perspective, I have said something with no ill intent, no tone or anything else like that, and yet it's received with tone, with attitude, with, you know, and I'm like, where does that come from? There was no no ill will, no misintention or anything else like that. Um, so we need to remember in all of this too, we're figuring out the will of God. We're still reading it through. We're still hearing God's voice, but we're hearing it also sometimes with filters. You know, we're hearing it with filters and those filters are sometimes our justification of what we want to have happen. Not always. But we need to recognize what God's voice is and like you said, Paul, earlier, in the fellowship of other people, but other people that are willing to tell us that we're dead wrong. Because I've surrounded myself in life with people that support my wrong thinking because they are coming from a place of wrong thinking. And we love hanging out because we all think wrong together, so therefore we're affirming our wrongness. Well, four people at the water cooler said I should divorce them. What do you think? 
I think you should stop hanging around the water cooler. But all people at the water cooler are Christians. Really? <laughs> and what verse are they using to justify that? Because as much as we like to... Don't hit me. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. I'm just going to let that go. Where are we on this? Uh, right here. <laughs> go for it. Good thing is, is that we do, if we do the will of God from our heart, what we're doing is we're actually revealing our heart. Now, do you think that God doesn't know what our heart condition is? <laughs> God knows what our heart condition is, right? So when we, when we actually do the four wills, we actually reveal our heart condition to God? Or is it more important we're revealing it to ourselves? Because here, here's... Here's this, as we reveal our heart condition, and as that, whether it's, if it's bad, we, we are convicted, and we move to make changes, as we reveal that more and more, God is saying at that point, okay, now I can trust you to look at your own heart, and examine that, and respond correctly. Guess what? Now I'm going to reveal my heart for you. Because now that you can show that you're trustworthy a bit with your own heart, guess whose heart God can trust you with? His heart. And that's where we begin to fulfill our specific will, God's will for us and God's will for our relationships. As we get a greater revelation of his heart for us. Because keep in mind, God does feel pain. He does feel rejection. That's clear. So as we reveal that heart, as we walk through these wills and we reveal our heart, God is going to begin to reveal his heart for us. And that's why, are you more interested in God's will for your life? Or are you more interested in God's will, period? Because if we're more interested in God's will for our life, we're more in this life for what we can get out of it than what, than what we can give into it. Because God's will is that we give into life. Our own will is that we take life away for us. That's what's happening. So when you were just speaking now, um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, well, don't correct me. Um, I believe everyone in this classroom has committed their life to Christ. Mm -hmm. When we committed our life to Christ, we were made a new creation, right? We've always been made in his image since even before we were born, right? Before we were born, we were knitted together in our mother, mother's womb. When we finally recognized that, yeah, we're not our own, that we're Christ's, we're a new creation. And there are some in this room that probably switched night and day. They accepted the Lord and what they used to do, they no longer do. And there's some that are still struggling with other areas. I'm one of those, okay? I'm, I'm still struggling. But what God showed me when you were talking about having, trusting, God trusting us with his heart. Have you ever tried to clean out a... a whatever, a, a salad bottle or a barbecue sauce or a ketchup bottle, you know, something with a, a small top and you're just trying to clean it so you can put it in the recycle bin, all right? And I've put like um, soap in there and you shake it up and, you know, and then the soap like never gets out, all right? But when you put in more water, the soap bubbles kind of raise to the top and eventually the soap gets out and there's nothing left but clean water. You guys know the process that I'm talking about? And I saw that vision, and I, I believe that that's what God does with us. We've got his heart. That's what the scripture says. We have his heart. But are we allowing the soap to get removed? And I think that's what the trust is. Yeah. You know, God's will is that his whole heart would be pure. Our heart would be pure. But there's still stuff that's raising to the top that needs to come out of that 
mouth. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good analogy. Healed. That's a really good analogy because I it looks like the four wheels are the process of getting that soap out. Because as we get the soap out, guess what fills us up more? Because if we're doing good to others, if we are truly doing good for others out of the out out of our heart. Not out of codependency, mm -hmm. wanting to get something back in return. Yeah, not, Although getting that thing back in return does feel good, and it, there's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we're truly doing that, guess what's happening at the same time? At the same time as we're giving into the heart of another, God is pouring more of his heart into us. And it's a continual working in our heart. And a lot of this, those four things require a choice. We talked about choices, right? Just a few minutes ago. Be transformed. That's a heart transformation by the renewing of what? Mind. Which means we have to make choices. And think about them. And think about them. What about overthink them? I do that. <laughs> You're not the only one in this room. <laughs> You know, but but how do we know when we've thought enough? How do we know when we've yeah? How do we know when we've exhausted and come to? Anyone else feel like that? You just kind of like, well, what if I do this? If I do this? If I do this? I do this. What about this? What about that? Not if. Never doing anything. You're never doing Is that trust in Gene? Is that trusted? When we. What you just said, is that trusting though? No. No. But what, what if we need to look at every aspect? Is that wrong? I think I think that can be confusing. <laughs> I know it. I know it's confusion. That's why I'm laughing. I know it's confusion. I've been there. Yes, it's very interesting what he says too. It's almost like we give, we put the things in his head, in his head. Please take away my control issues because I want everybody to do whatever it is. But when we grab it back, as you said, then I think he gets confused with us. Excuse me, child. You asked me to help you with this, but now you take it back? No, that's when we have to set the boundary. I know it's hard for me, God, maybe, because I've been, been controlling all my life. Show me how you want to do it. And it's almost like a submit as when we submit and ask him. I, I think it's kind of work for me because, yeah, my brain is works 24-7. Then I haven't had peace for years. And then when I say, well, God, I think you know better. And I'd be able to find some of that. I think what happens, and we are going to get into this later, so I mean, we don't want to, but when we're talking about the will of God, who, who doesn't want to work in the will of God? I mean, I think everyone here, mm -hmm. I want to walk in the will of God. I want to become more of who we, he wants me to be. I want to um, become less of some aspects of who I am, the fearful one, the, 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 the one that's selfish, the one, you know, the, the parts of me that are self-serving. Um, I want less of that. I want less control. I want less fear. I want less all of this. Um, I want to walk in your will. So now I overanalyze being so afraid of not walking in his will that I don't walk. Or I walk like this, no, this, no, this, oh, yeah, no, that, oh, no, wait, wait, oh, maybe this way, you know, and I get so confused and so shattered on what direction of walking in God's will is because they all sound good. They all sound good that I wind up standing in a circle becoming overwhelmed. And and I think that's one of the things about the will of God that I have to still get down better. God's will is it's fluid. It's not a one, two, three step and that's it. You're exactly where you need to be. Again, bringing it back to Paul. Paul was supposed to go to Rome a lot earlier. R right, Rome? Mm -hmm. Okay. But he took the long route. 
and the route that led him there wound up being in chains. But Paul was supposed to go to Rome, and he got there. And the other journey that he took, whether it be of his will, meaning God wanted him to go in January and he didn't get there until December, all right? The stuff that happened between January and December, God still used, big time. And it wasn't that Paul was punished in December for not going in January, because God used that captivity that imprisonment in ways maybe far greater than he could have used if he went there in January. I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask you to be bold and raise your hand if this is true. How many of you think that maybe, just maybe, you've missed the will of God for your life? At times. God's will for our life is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey into greater Christ-likeness. And I love what Gene shared about Paul. Because every moment that Paul was being disobedient and wasn't doing what God exactly wanted him to do, he was being transformed by that. So he wasn't... We're going to be talking about the sovereign will of God versus the permissive will of God at some point. And we're, we're just opening this series up. But it's important to remember that just because things aren't going as we expected doesn't mean we're operating out of God's will. We could be in the middle of it or, or we come to a path. We ask God, which direction should I go? He said, which one would you like to go? I want to go here. Man, things just aren't working out well there. Could it be that things just weren't working out well there and you didn't anticipate that? Could God have stopped that? Yeah. Because he, he could have been back here and, and God would have said, go right, left is three months later, you're going to hate it. So go right. But now in these three months, guess what? If you've applied yourself well, you become more Christ-like. So that when you come to another path, you're better equipped to make it possibly a different choice. Picture uh, Jonah. He knew what God wanted him to do. He was afraid of what the Ninevites. He was afraid of them, so he went the opposite direction. He became fish bark. But I believe in that. <laughs> Thank you. He, I believe that that experience increased his boldness to really go into Nineveh and really passionately share what God wanted him to share. If he went there the first time, yeah, it would have worked, but maybe some people in Nineveh needed to see somebody that really understands the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord. Um, and Jonah still didn't get it. Even when he did that, and he repented. Why did you? He was ticked off that they repented. So, there's still, there was always refining to do. <laughs> Go ahead. God's got the heart of a teacher, right? Yeah. And a teacher, if you get two plus two equals four on the first try, or the fifth try, a good teacher's going to be excited either way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I like that because God does have the heart of a teacher because he he's the father. And what is what is the you know they always say that you know the the mothers are their nurturing ones. I believe that 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 stereotype removes the obligation of being nurturing from a father. Because I believe that a father is as nurturing as the mother in a completely different way. And so you're right. God is a teacher because a teacher is a nurturer. And so all those are entwined in the same heart. Summary. I'm liking what you're saying about, you know, God is so great that he crafts out of what we do, his glory, always. He's going to have his glory in whatever choice we make. 
and I was reading a devotional today, and if I can take the two minutes, it's totally what we were talking about. And it's 1 Samuel 3.18. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. If I see God in everything, he will calmly color everything I see. Perhaps the circumstances causing my sorrow will not be removed, and my situation will remain the same. But if Christ is brought into my grief and gloom as my Lord and Master, he will surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 32, 7. To see him and to be sure that his wisdom and power never fail and his love never changes, to know that even his most distressing dealings with me are for my deepest spiritual gain. It is to be able to say, in the midst of bereavement, sorrow, pain, and loss, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 1.21. Seeing God in everything is the only thing that will make me loving and patient with people who annoy and trouble me. Then I will see others as the instruments God uses to accomplish his tender and wise purpose for me, and I will even find myself inwardly thanking them for the blessing they have become to me. Nothing but seeing God will completely put an end to all complaining and thoughts of rebellion. I really like that. Appreciate it. There was one area here. Seeing God in everything is the only thing that will make me loving and patient with people who annoy and trouble me. Then I will see others as the instrument God uses to accomplish his tender and wise purpose for me, and I will inwardly and I will even find myself inwardly thanking them for the blessings they've become to me. Now we've talked a couple of times today about the annoying ones being us. Being us, that our brain gets in the way of us, and I'm wondering, can we get this point? Seeing God in everything is the only thing that will make me loving and patient with myself, who annoys and troubles me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but think about it. I mean, so oftentimes, you know, we're so we're holding ourselves up to, to a judgment higher than God's judgment of us. We're holding ourselves up to um, standards that that. Well, God, you can love everyone but me. Really? We don't give mercy to ourselves. We don't give mercy to ourselves, and we don't understand that the internal conflict that we have, the overthinking and everything else like that, is as much of an ability to walk through and grow as, you know, me going like this to Ron all the time, you know? It will bother him, it will frustrate him to no end, but his response to me will stop me from doing that and will help transform me. So for ourselves, we've got to figure out a way to love. Well, I can't, I can't kiss myself, but I'm going to kiss him. But so, so to walk out in the will of God, um, I mean, we've got to recognize that the stuff that we do to ourselves when we fail, not if we fail, but when we lash out, when we don't do the best as God desires in our relationship, when I'm not forgiving, I'm not a mean, horrible, rotten person. I am a hurting individual that needs healing and needs to be transformed and needs to know a different way. You know? It's not an excuse to continue with that, though. Right. And that's the thing that we have to be careful. Yes. Maybe the enemy has something to do with that. Mm -hmm. When we made the decision... God, I'm gonna be the child of be born again. He is mad, he's mad and then he tried to put those obstacles to be warriors, thinkers. Hey, no, you're not gonna go where you say you wanna go. I'm gonna make sure. And it's always a constant struggle, but asking God, allow me to focus on you and then rebuild the enemy. Well, we can share this. Every condemning word that you've ever told yourself is a lie from the enemy. <laughs> it is. Because God doesn't condemn that way. The difference between conviction and condemnation is with condemnation, there is no way out. With conviction, there is a way out. 
And that's how we can tell the difference between those words. And every condemning word that we've ever heard from, we've heard from the enemy. Whether it be something we hear from the outside or something Internal. from the inside. Go for it. Um, so what we're going to be doing, we're going to wrap this up. We're all going to be challenged. Now are you up to the challenge? That's the, that's the key. Because to make, and what is that challenge? To make fulfilling the will of God a priority over asking God to fulfill our will. The challenge is to make fulfilling the will of God a priority over asking God to do his will in us. We have to make giving to God a priority over asking God to give to us. I still remember men's group. Were you there that morning? Oh yeah, I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't, I'm sorry. I always miss when, when I was when I was doing men's group in the morning, and I think you were there, and somebody else was there. They got it from the chair after this prayer, and they they wanted out of the house. It seemed like. <laughs> But I asked everybody to trust me and just repeat after me. And a prayer went like this. I asked them, get your biggest heart's desire on your mind right now. And I waited for everybody to get that. I said, now, get the desire God has for you, but you have not yet done. So God has asked you to do something, but you've not yet done it. Make a phone call. Make a phone call. Do this. Start paying tithes. Right. Whatever. Now, get that on your mind. And I'm, everybody got one. I said, now repeat after me. God, I give you permission not to fulfill my prayer for me until I obey you and what you've asked me to do. One guy want, got up. He wanted out of that house so quick. It was. But it's that's the attitude of the heart. God, I'm setting myself aside. This is all about you. What do you want? How can I fulfill your, your desire in this moment? Lord, I'm not getting a whole lot from home right now. That doesn't matter as much as your will for me to serve my wife or to serve my husband. Gene would say that. What is, what is your will for me in this moment? How can I love you? How can I show you that, that you have become real in my heart? How can I show that? And make that a priority. It's going to be a hard course of action to do that. Because at some level, let's be honest, there's still some selfishness in us. And this is an act of, this This is a series in which that will kind of be revealed. We're not going to ask you to show it. <laughs> but we're hoping that the fruit that will come from this will see you walking in greater confidence. So you're not so concerned about, should I go right, should I go left? I can go either way. And I know God will be with me because that's what his word says. Or let's put it to you this way, because we want to make sure that God isn't do whatever you want. And that's my will. All right. God does have boundaries. Yeah. All right. And I think that the four wills that Emerson Lee leads off with um, or discusses are those boundaries. <coughs> are we believing in Jesus Christ? Not just as our fire insurance. Yes, I said the prayer, I'm in heaven for eternity. But as Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord and Savior. Do you know what Lord is? I always used to tell it with the kids. It means that you want Jesus to be the boss of you. You know? And if, if Jesus isn't in that part in your life, then ask him to help transform your heart so that he is. And the nice thing is is he is the greatest boss that has incredible benefits. All right, you don't have to worry about a retirement plan. You don't have to worry about, you know, working overtime. You don't have to worry about health insurance. Health You're insurance. living forever, new body. Okay, you know, and, and he's a pretty darn um, compassionate boss as well. Yeah, all right. All right, any questions, comments, side remarks? You ready for the challenge? Hope so. You want to pray something? Lord, um, it's a hard topic. 
it really is a hard topic and it's hard to stay focused at times. Um, your love and your grace and your mercy and your presence in our life is just so overwhelming. And Lord, we want to give you honor. We want to give you glory. We want to live the fullness of what you have for us. And Lord, you know how challenging that can be for us at times. So teach us, show us, mold us, make us um, into the fullness of what you have planned. Lord, we ask your protection, we ask your provision, and we ask your joy to fall upon everyone in this class today and this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Love you very much. Love you.